Hey everybody, good afternoon. It's Monday at 2.30 and for the next nine weeks, we're gonna be talking about spiritual leadership for today from First and Second Timothy. Uh, you may not recognize my face. My name is Rob Rodriguez and I'm one of the board members here at America's Keswick. And so we're giving Pastor Noah a break after doing a great study in Revelation uh, this past year during the pandemic. And so uh, Katie Stover from our marketing department is with me. And so she'll be with me over the next nine weeks to kind of go over what we're talking about in spiritual leadership. and also also to let us know what's going on at Keswick. So Katie, what's coming up on the calendar? So this week on January 7th and 8th, we have our community hymn sings, and that's a monthly event that we have right here on campus. And the theme for this month is your favorites, which is something that everybody loves. And the cost of the ticket is $10 and it includes a to-go lunch and doors open at nine and the program starts at 10. And if you want to join us, you'll have to call 1-800-453-7942 to purchase tickets. That's awesome. If you yeah. haven't been to one of our hymn sings, you really should come out. It's a great time. So what we're going to try to do over the next nine weeks is really just look at what spiritual leadership is all about. So whether you know it or not, each and every one of us is a leader. And you may say, no, Rob, I don't want to be a leader. I just want to be a follower. If you read the book of Acts, one of the first things that describe the Christians is the fact that they turn the world upside down. And I don't know about you, but only leaders can turn the world upside down. So we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, about leadership in his first letter and his second letter. And you're going to see a progression about how we can become leaders and also talk about how we can help the next generation also to become leaders. Because the sooner we realize because of Jesus Christ and our identity in him, that we are designed to be ambassadors for him and to lead instead of just follow. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. So today we're going to get into 1 Timothy chapter 1 and 2 Timothy chapter 1. So all right, let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome to week one. So like Katie and I mentioned, this is our series on spiritual leadership for today. And we're going to be looking at first and second Timothy. So today for week one, we really want to talk about the topic of leadership and what the priesthood of the believer is all about and what generational growth instead of generational issues is going to be about. And so when we look at first and second Timothy, what we see is a picture of Paul, the apostle, talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. So we'll give a little bit of background on both of the letters of First and Second Timothy and look a little bit into chapter one of both books. And so uh, let's read from the word of God. We're going to be in First Timothy chapter one first, and then we're going to go into Second Timothy chapter one. So First Timothy chapter one, beginning in verse one, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when you were in Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, that these promote empty speculations rather than God's plan which operates by faith. Now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So this letter that Paul writes to Timothy is a father in the faith writing to a son in the faith. And the father in the faith at this point is under house arrest or in prison. And so you'll see that a lot of the New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. And got to the sovereignty of God, God allowed the Apostle Paul to be in prison several times in order not only for other Christians, as he would write, to be encouraged and to be bold for their faith. Because even in jail, Paul was seeing people come to 
Jesus, but this is time for him to write and to write letters to churches. And then God perfectly preserved those letters. And we have that as a part of the New Testament canon. And one of the personal letters that Paul wrote was to uh, this guy by the name of Timothy, who was not only the heir apparent, if you would, but he would be one of the first century pastors that would come under this rank after apostle of local church pastor. And so as we look at the apostle Paul, and as he writes to Timothy, uh, right away, he starts his letter out and he uses the, the authoritative tone a little bit because he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the command of God, our savior and Christ Jesus, our hope. And so he wants right away for Timothy to know, hey, this is coming from your spiritual dad, but this is also something that's very important. So he talks about the fact that he has this special relationship by being taught directly by Jesus Christ, that he has a command of God on his life to lead people to Jesus. His specific mission, if you look at the uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, when he's called to ministry after salvation, it was to actually reach the Gentile people, to be the light in the darkness, to show the blind people how they could see because of their relationship with Jesus. And so this impactful relationship that Paul had with Jesus, he now wants to see that relationship happen between Timothy and his Savior as well. And so that's why he ends the phrase of chapter one with our hope. Now, that word hope is an interesting word. It's a really good word. It really is faith in the future tense. It's hope for tomorrow. We put the same object of our faith in our present faith. We also put it in our future faith. And so he's talking about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so now he addresses the letter to Timothy. And this is what he calls him. And it's a beautiful title. He calls him my true son in the faith. And man, there's this relationship between Paul and Timothy that's really close. These that Timothy and Paul were ride or die for each other. They were in it to the end. And so Paul uh, expresses this love to Timothy and he says, my true son in the faith. There's a relationship there, but also centered not on blood, but on their mutual faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is what he says. This is his prayer. He says, grace. He says, mercy. And he says, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And now those three words, grace, mercy, and peace, are powerful words. And Paul will write these words to, in most of his letters to the churches and to people that, that, that he writes to, that they would have grace. This We normally hear it called unmerited favor, but it also has this idea of a supernatural enabling for us to live a Christian life that we could not live on our own. But it also means that we have this favor with God, that we have this standing with God that we don't deserve, but we have it. And then he says, mercy. Man, you know, you and I, the best of our ability, even if we try 110% of the time, we're going to fail. And we're going to think things and we're going to say things and we're going to do things that displease God. We will sin against our Savior. And we will, we will go down the wrong path. The righteous man, the Bible says, falls seven times, but it says that he gets back up. And the grace of God is what gets us back up. The mercy of God is what allows us not to be punished for when we went down. So mercy is us not getting what we should get. So we have this supernatural enabling that has this this unmerited favor. We have the protection that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus because of his mercy. And then we have the peace that comes from God. Peace is more than just an emotional comfort. Peace is this settledness in the midst of anything 
because of your present faith and because of the hope that you have for the future. And we also get to look back at what's happened before our predecessors and the faith and all of these things coupled with the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the confidence that we have in his word, we can have peace that passes all understanding. Now, where does this grace, where does this mercy, where does this peace come from? Well, there's only one source of that, and that's in the triune God. And he mentions God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And we know that the Holy Spirit indwells us and teaches us and comforts us within the world. So in verse 3, now he starts talking about some things. So, so here's what he says. He says, let's get down to business. Brass tack. Here's what he says. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia. So if you know anything about Paul's missionary journeys, that one of the places that he visited was this, was this region called Macedonia. And the first time he went to Macedonia, it's an, an excellent story in the Word of God how Paul continue to travel in one direction, continuing to try to see churches planted and people saved. And he was in this town called Bithynia. And God wouldn't let him go any further in the direction that he was going. And Paul was troubled, he'll write later. And then so there's a vision that he gets this night when he's in Bithynia. And it's this, this guy from an area called Macedonia. And in this vision, this dream, he says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so Paul takes that, rightly so, as the direction from God to go the other direction to Macedonia. And when Paul gets to Macedonia and to places like, like Philippi, he meets uh, Lydia, a, a, a seller of purple, and you see the church in Philippi, in Philippi get started, and you see all these things happen because Paul follows the direction of, of, of Jesus. And so you see now he's coming, he's bringing back that point and to this area of Macedonia, and he says, so Timothy, when, when I was in Macedonia, I urged you. He told him to remain in Ephesus. Now, at this time, there's a church planted in Ephesus, and so for all indication, because of what he's about to say, we can we can surmise that Timothy was the pastor or one of the elders of this church, and, he, and it looks like he is kind of like the lead or senior pastor that we would call it in our vernacular because of what he tells him to do. He says this, stay, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine. Now, this is one of those apostolic clapbacks where he goes, certain people who are teaching false doctrine. Now, obviously at this point, if Paul is writing to Timothy, there was probably a letter that got to Paul that either Timothy or someone else from Ephesus wrote about people who were teaching false doctrine. And so Paul writes this letter back and tells Timothy, hey, like I urged you to do, you need to tell certain people that they need to stop with the false doctrine. So we're going to talk about this a lot in this study on spiritual leadership. And part of what uh, you'll see a theme in the New Testament over and over again is that there is this way that either the church is going to be persecuted from the outside, either by the government or by religious leaders, but there's also persecution coming from the inside because of this false belief system. And so uh, you'll see Paul write to a lot of the church leaders and a lot of the churches and, and, and to people like Timothy and Titus, and he'll tell them, be careful for people who teach the wrong beliefs. And he makes it clear that this is the biggest cancer that the church has and they will have. And we continue to have those issues of people going outside the bounds of the word of God. And so um, he says, uh, not only false doctrine, then he's, he zooms in and he says, or pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. So there's this, um, there's this idea, and it's even prevalent today, that sometimes that too much education without enough application causes you either to be dry or stale, 
or, or to go off your rocker. And so what happened was there were these people who were teaching false doctrine and they were looking at these uh, this, this minutia and either listening to myths or looking at endless genealogies of where people come from and they would zoom in on these things that Paul would say have empty spec speculations to them that they're not they're not they have nothing to do with the plan of salvation they have nothing to do with correct doctrine it just kind of keeps you thinking over and over and circling whatever having to land the plane on what you believe and these false teachers they would just thrive on this because if they can talk smarter if they can think deeper than the new believer, the new believer would be in awe of these people and they would wind up listening to false doctrine. So he says, so these, all these things do is promote empty speculations. And then he says, in contrast to what he goes, rather than God's plan. At the end of verse four, he says this, which operates by faith. So our correct doctrine, our teaching that's proper, comes from our relationship, our faith relationship with Jesus Christ. No amount of genealogies, no amount of speculations, no amount of myths will ever compare to the truth that's in the Word of God. And so Paul says we stand on what this Word is. And so he goes, these, all these things are outside of the plan of God. And so he says you have to bring them back. You have to bring them back into the Word of God. And so then he tells them, here's verse 5, and this is what we're going to focus in on. Now the goal of our instruction is that love comes from a pure heart and has a good conscience and there's sincere faith. So what is the goal of good leadership? What is the goal that, that Paul wants to see Timothy convey to this church? That love for people, like the love of Jesus for us and then our love for people comes from a pure heart. Why do we love God? Because Jesus first loved us and he was selfless and he gave himself up in order for us to be rescued. And then that love that comes from a pure heart is now given to other people. See, these false teachers, they wanted pay, they wanted salaries, they wanted benefits, they wanted all these things. They wanted accolades, they wanted, they wanted the attention of the people. Whenever Paul was not there, they would just try their best to not only downplay what the apostle said, but also raise himself up. And so he says, real leadership comes from loving people with a pure heart. Real leadership comes from having a good conscience before God, that you can stand before God and that you know what you did morally, ethically, spiritually, uh, intellectually, everything is based on what God's word says. So you have a clear conscience, but then also this, a sincere faith. And this is the difference between false doctrine and true teaching of the word of God, the sincerity. And the sincerity doesn't come out in how much you know. It comes out with how much you've changed because of the Spirit of God. And so good spiritual leadership causes people to change and grow closer to Jesus. This is what Paul shares with Timothy. So now I want us to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want us to see the correlation between the two letters. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read the first five verses again. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So almost the exact same opening. A little background on 2 Timothy. We believe that this may actually be the last thing that the apostle Paul will write before he's, he's murdered or martyred by, by the emperor Nero. And he writes to Timothy, and he says that he's an apostle. 
but by the will of God, because that came with good things and bad things. It came with the authority of the apostle, but it also became a target for people to, to arrest this VIP Christian, right? And so for the sake of the promised life in Christ Jesus, that as Paul's looking at death, he thinks about his life in Christ Jesus. And again, he calls Timothy his dearly loved son. He again wishes him grace, mercy, and peace. And then he continues in verse three, I thank God who I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. Now look how he brings back that idea of good leadership having a clear conscience, right? And so he says, I, I've, I've done this in my life. When I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So as Paul reminisces, he gets kind of emotional. And he says, as I... As I serve God with a clear conscience, I do it for the right reasons. My leadership is always to advance the kingdom of God and advance people in their relationship with Jesus. He says one of the people that he remembers that he did this with is Timothy. And he goes, he constantly remembers him and he prays for him when he remembers. You see, this is the difference between good leadership in a spiritual sense and bad leadership. Good leadership remembers what we did for people on a spiritual level. Bad leadership just, is, just notches on a belt. There's another one for Jesus. And so he remembers him and he prays for him day and night. And then he says he remembers the tears, right? As long, and I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So we see that Timothy also had this sincere faith and this, this, uh, this good conscience and this love that translated into an emotional level that he had tears. And then Paul says this, and this is where it comes all together, for me anyway, and when it comes to spiritual leadership. I recall, verse 5, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced also in you. Not only does leadership have to do with leading people to be closer to Jesus, there's this individuality that we have, that every single one of us has access to God, that we're able to build our relationship with Jesus without having to go, go to a middleman. We all are priests of God. We all can communicate with God, and it happened for Paul, and it happened for Timothy. But tying that in is the fact that there was a generational change because of Timothy's grandmother and mother that was now translated to Timothy and because of the influence of the Apostle Paul. Too many times we see generational uh, issues of sin and violence and abuse and bitterness and, and, and just addiction and all these things because of the generational cycle. And Paul brings up that the generational cycle has changed because of the faith of Timothy's grandmother, she came to Jesus. And then Timothy's mom came to Jesus. And Timothy came to Jesus because of the love and the, and the affection that his mother and his grandmother had for him. And so we see that, that this generational change happened, that Timothy wasn't just another number. Timothy's life changed because of the faith of these people and then the influence of the Apostle Paul. You know, and when we think about leadership, we think sometimes leadership has to do with titles. It makes sense that the Apostle Paul would teach a pastor, and that relationship makes sense even professionally. But when we look at the relationship of the grandmother and the mother and Timothy, we see that every single one of us is called to be a leader. Every single one of us, because of even what the Bible describes, the fact that Christians are people who turn the world upside down, only leaders can do that. And so as we see this, you know, uh, Ken Blanchard um, in, in his uh, blog, he said this, that, that 
even people who are outside of organiza organizational leadership have a life role type of leadership. And so you, when you think about First uh, and Second Timothy, we shouldn't just limit it specifically to pastors and bishops and deacons. We think about leaders and we think about the fact that all Christians are called to a holy life. And so we've all been given specific gifts that bring glory to Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to narrow it just down to the specific roles in the church. Although there are some portions of scripture, it's the only way to translate it. But we see that leadership is bigger than just people with titles. And so the ideas of holiness, the, the ideas of truths that come from the word of God is not just placed in leadership. Every single believer has to have these traits. And so therefore, we can all lead into this. So it's not just a monk or a priest that has to be holy. It's not just a pastor that needs to know the truths of God's word. It's not just those of us who are in professional ministry who need to lead other people to Jesus. It's something that we all need to do. And so you may say this, I don't want to be a leader. I never considered myself a leader. I just want to follow. Well, if you follow Jesus, you're going to realize that other people are following Jesus because when you follow, other people see it. So you're going to be leading whether you like to or not. And so the idea is this. We all lead. And leadership is everywhere. I know that we see that there's like this void of leadership. No, there's a lack of good spiritual leadership. Someone's always going to be a leader. It just determines which way we're going to do it. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. So we saw in First and Second Timothy in the first chapters that Paul is telling Timothy that leadership is completely different than what we see in the world. It's not at the power struggle. It's not trying to get of everyone else. It's not looking out for number one. It basically, like, this, like the scripture passage says, is that the goal of our instruction is to have love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Do we have those things? Do we have love for the people that we're trying to lead? Do we do it from a sincere heart? Are they going to have a sincere heart? Are they going to also lead in the same way? So do we have this sincerity? And then in 2 Timothy, we see how uh, Paul having this moment of reminiscing about Timothy when he was younger, how he received faith from his grandmother and his mother. And, you know, Timothy, he winds up being Paul's guy. He's going to be the next generation, the heir apparent to this. And he becomes this local church pastor with this great spiritual heritage. But it didn't start with Paul. It started with his grandmom and his mom. And it's just a beautiful reminder that not only is leadership something that we all can take a part in, and the fact that it's a spiritual type of leadership, which means that it involves our spiritual walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit guiding us, each and every one of us is a priest which means we all have direct access to God, which means we all have leadership qualities that come from the Father. And the big thing is it has to be a generational thing. We have to break this cycle of people making the same mistakes over and over in their family. And so instead of seeing a story like Timothy where grandma and mom and Timothy all get saved, we see really, really bad things. And so, uh, Katie, looking at like the next generation, especially because you work with youth ministry and that's your heart, like how can we help the, the next generation realize that they're leaders now? I think that it's super important to be intentional mm. with the people that you're leading, especially the next generation, mm. because they have this void that they're just going to fill with anything that is in front of their face, whether that's something on TV or li they're listening to on the radio, whatever it is. So if we're intentional with our time with them and just like pouring into them and loving on them and showing them that like there is a better way and like Jesus is the answer for that void that they have, mm. um, I think that we can break cycles that way. Mm. 
because I think it starts with us and it pours into the next generation. And then you never know how your influence is going to like continue on. So say you influence a kid in youth, in youth group, and then you never know what kind of influence they're going to have on the next generation under them. Mm. So it starts with us and yeah, we're things. never going to, we may never see it until yeah. we get to heaven and we see all the people that are, that are in heaven because of the person that we led with a pure conscience, with a sincere mm -hmm. heart, in order for them to for them to grow. You know, who knows how long Timothy's grandmother and mom were thinking, you know, man, Timothy is this, uh, you know, in his culture, he 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 was different than other kids. He was this Greek kid living in this Jewish culture, and like it was it was rough for him. And but they did everything for him to know about his faith more than his culture. And so that's how we break cycles. Sometimes we have to see how God placed us in our culture, but as a new creature in Christ, that's our culture. Yeah. And like students will realize, like, if you're faking it, hmm. if you're not leading by example and with a pure heart and good intentions, like they'll pick up on that. Hmm. So when like you are in a place of leadership and you are not living that way behind closed doors, like they'll catch on. Yeah. And so it's so important to be leading by example at all the time. Yeah. So. so like, yeah, you know, for a fact, Timothy's grandmother, Timothy's mom, Paul, mm -hmm. they all did this out of a pure heart. Mm -hmm. And you see the result in Timothy's life. They weren't just, you know, talking the talk. They were literally walking yeah. the walk in front of him. Mm -hmm. And it changed his life completely. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it, it's a great example. Well, you know, this is why we have Katie. I'm so glad she's going to be with me for the next nine weeks. Um, you know, we're excited that she works on our marketing department. I'm excited that I get to be a part of the board every day. It still just shocks me that I, that I get to be a part of this. And so I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast with you. So we're going to see you next week, Monday at 2.30, as we talk about spiritual leadership for today. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.